Hey, fans, want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy at Floors to Your Home. Right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot, that's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations. Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who. Joining us now, a guy that used to spend a lot of time at Lucas Oil Stadium before he decided to leave the state of Indiana, and I'm dragging him back on the India Airwaves to talk more Colts drama. It's our friend Jim Aiello, formerly of the Indy Star, now a senior writer, uh, senior NFL editor, I guess I should say, for The Athletic. And Jim, I I brought you on, and you thought that you could just leave to Illinois and and leave all of this (laughs) drama behind, yet yet here you are, again, talking more Colts drama all these years later. You want to get back into the Brissette stuff, or should we talk Jonathan Taylor instead? You know I want to talk to Kobe Brissett, the most unstoppable <laughs> quarterback on fourth and one in the history of the NFL. So, yes. Uh, no, I'm just flattered you remembered you remembered me. I am. I'm very flattered. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to join you and, and talk Colts and running backs and the, all this drama is ridiculous. I still can't believe that it escalated this quickly. Yeah, I mean, we're in disbelief, I think, here in India as well for how this is all shaken out. And primarily, I invited you on because I thought you could lend sort of a, a national, non-Indie perspective to what's going on because I know you've been keeping a keen eye on, on what's happening in particular in New York with the Saquon Barkley spat with the Giants because I think most people view him and Taylor along the same tier and the same caliber of player. Are there situations from what you know about what's going on in India and what happened in New York, which has since I know been reconciled with his contract, uh, at least on a, on a one-year short-term basis, are, are they at all similar? You know, not really. I don't think. I mean, obviously, you have the whole running back market and that cratering, and obviously that that does tie them together in that way. But with Barkley, there's a, there's a couple of things you have to keep in mind. Is that first of all, um, there's a franchise tag, so that he's playing on that, which is you know, Jonathan Taylor is still trying to. I mean, now at this point, I use the word escape his rookie contract yeah. because that's where he's at, and 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 the fact that he's only making. You know, I say only in its relative $4 million versus Saquon Barkley, who's going to make $11 million on the franchise tag. But the other thing that is important in this is that Saquon Barkley was very, very, very concerned about his image in, in New York and with the Giants long term. I mean, it's very important to him to be um, to be remembered and to be a guy that is seen as a leader and a captain. And I'm not saying these things aren't important to Jonathan Taylor. He just hasn't. You know, we haven't heard him talk about those things quite as much. And I guess that's maybe the shocking part about this is that it seemed like he was on that track, right? Like he was trending toward being a face of the Colts, maybe as he already was, and he was going to be one of those guys people will remember, like an Edger and James. Um, and, you know, he said all the right things. And typically the Colts have been in the line of, let's reward those guys. Let's reward those guys before they get to the open market. Um, you know, that's Darius Leonard, that's. Brady yep. Smith, that's Ryan Kelly, that's Quentin Nelson. They have over and over and over again rewarded the guys before they get to the open market for being not just good players, but being you know good people and, and people that are proud to represent the Colts. And again, everything was trending towards that being the case for Jonathan Taylor. And so where I think this is somewhat different, though, 
to get you know to get to the end here is that when Jeremy Say revealed they didn't even offer him a contract, that there wasn't even talk of an extension, there was no numbers exchange. I think that that's got to be why I think Jonathan Taylor and his agent are so upset. So it's different, you know, again, Barkley and the Giants did negotiate numbers. They just couldn't come to an agreement. So these situations, again, they're similar in a lot of ways, but also have a lot of key differences. Devil's advocate, if, and, and we don't know what Jonathan Taylor and his camp asked for. I know there are rumors about what he's been asking for, but could the Colts have been thinking, if they knew that Jonathan Taylor wanted Christian McCaffrey money, could their line of thinking been, well, we don't want to offer what we were going to offer because that would insult him even more than no offer at all? I, I mean, maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but that's just, it popped into my head. It's, it's possible. I mean, again, I think asking for Christian McCaffrey money in this current climate is probably silly. I don't even think that Saquon Barkley asked for um, for, for Christian McCaffrey money because and, and Saquon Barkley, I think Jonathan Taylor would even admit, while he can catch the ball, he, he's not the, the, the quite the three-down threat that uh, Christian McCaffrey is and then even Saquon Barkley is. So sure. I think starting – and again, it seems like contracts are trending down for running backs right now a little bit. Nobody wants to get to the Christian McCaffrey. I don't think anybody that's trying to set a new standard for running backs right now is, is thinking things through. And so uh, if that's where Jonathan Taylor and his agent are, then yeah, probably, then there is no starting point, really, because that's, that's just not what the market is dictating. However, you know, if they offered him something in the range of what the franchise tag was or slightly above that, or the Nick Chubb contract, which I think was, you know, three years, $36 million, with, I think, 24 or 25 guaranteed, if they were in that ballpark, um, I, you'd have to think Jonathan Taylor and his agent at least entertain it. I mean, maybe they didn't want it or accept it, but they have to entertain it, but Anyway, no, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, that could be that they, they just didn't want to make an offer that would insult him at all, but I think it came down at the end that he's feeling more insulted now. Yeah, I, I think it was just one of those things where they wanted to wait and see, and to your point, Jim, Jonathan Taylor's like, what do you mean wait and see? You didn't wait and see with all these other guys. So, you yeah. know, what are we doing here when it comes to the extension? I know that neither side when it comes to Ursay or Taylor and his agent have, have necessarily kind of cloaked themselves in glory over the past seven to ten days, but and I'm normally pro player, Jim. Like I, I don't usually side with the billionaires. I want to see guys get paid. I, I do, and I want them to cap uh, capitalize on these very short windows, especially for running backs when they actually can get those kind of dollars. But I just kind of side with the Colts here because I, I feel like a lot of the gasoline on the fire has been from Taylor and his camp, sort of picking a fight where they and they just don't have any leverage. You know, you can say what you want about the Jacob situation or the Barkley situation, what we've talked about. They actually weren't under contract, right? Because of right. the tag and, and not and being able to hold out. In in Taylor's case, it, it just he doesn't have really any leverage at all, I don't think. No, his best leverage was being the kind of the the Boy Scout, the good soldier, yeah. the guy that, you know, they they want to be the face of the franchise in the future there and and hey, we want to reward you because you've been good. And then you know, and again, I'm not blaming either side, but what happened was Jim Mercer tweeted out something about the CBA and how they can't, you know, it's, it's bad faith that they're trying to renegotiate the CBA right now. And that's when Jonathan Taylor's agent stepped in and said what he said. And that's how this whole thing kind of came unglued. Um, but I'm with you. Like, I'm typically the guy that's, you know, that wants players to get paid um, and, and get, especially running backs who don't have a large window to get this money. So, Again, the argument for me on Jonathan Taylor's side is less about being a running back in the production that will come later as it is, hey, the Colts historically have tried to reward the guys that, you know, that that have earned it. And again, even with the Edger and James comparison, I know that's come up. I think Jim Mercy himself brought it up saying he let Edger and James go. 
Well, yeah, sure, that's true. In that situation, that did happen, but you were also paying Peyton Manning quite a bit of money, where in this situation, your cap is actually not that bad going into the future. I think they have quite a bit of money now, and a lot of the contracts that they've committed to some of the guys you know, already, the guys we've already talked about, those are either expiring soon or they can get out of them relatively soon. So their future cap isn't really that clogged with big contracts and money. So they could give Jonathan Taylor money before, you know, I think they would be so happy if they had to pay Anthony Richardson in a few years. Uh, but they could, they could be, you know, they could be done from the Jonathan Taylor contract by the end of that. So, again, I see Taylor's side, and you have to, you got, you got to fight for the money when you're at the peak of your powers. And that's the other problem for Taylor right now is if he was coming off that 2021 season, yeah. he'd have a little bit more leverage. But after what happened last year, he just wasn't quite the same, you know, playing on the ankle injury and missing games and not being quite as effective. I mean, yeah, like you said, his, all of his leverage is gone, including the fact that he just wasn't quite himself last year. And I know Ursay wanted to bring up Edge, but you had Edge for seven seasons. It's kind of apples and bowling balls in the previous CBA <laughs> compared to where we are now. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Jim. With, with where we sit today, Uh-oh. what do you think is the most likely scenario? And I'll present three scenarios. The Colts trade Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor holds out for the season. Or Jonathan Taylor bites the bullet, comes back, plays for the Colts the entire 2023 campaign and goes back to the negotiating table. The third one. I think that's, that's gotta be the option. And again, I'll have to, you know, James, uh, James Boyd, writer at the athletic. He's, I edited him. He was late. He made a great, he wrote a great story today, kind of laying out what Jonathan Taylor's options are. All three of those things that you described and how feasible they actually are in terms of holding out, how much money he'd be giving up, whether or not he'd accrue another season to, you know, to finish out his contract. But, and I think ultimately the conclusion you have to draw is that Jonathan Taylor pretty much has to bite the bullet. Now, there's a couple ways this could go. To me, you kind of, if you're Taylor, you kind of take the Aaron Rodgers example is, oh, you're going to draft Jordan Love? Watch this. And I go and win back-to-back MVPs. And then eventually he pushes his way out of, of Green Bay. Now, again, that's obviously a little bit longer timeline than Taylor has and wants. But essentially is play, be the best version of Jonathan Taylor that you can be. And then at the end of the year, if you're still unhappy and the if you're still unhappy, you go to Chris Ballard, you go to Jim Mercer and say, I don't want to be here. And so either let me walk or franchise tag and trade me, do whatever you have to do, but I don't want to be here. And I don't think you want guys who don't want to be here. But ultimately, his only leverage is going to be if he's desired on the open market. And that's only going to happen if he has an outstanding season. And James brought up a great point in that piece because, you know, unlike some of these quarterbacks who even on a rookie deal get gobs tens of million dollars of guaranteed money, if you're sacrificing $4 million this year, if you're Jonathan Taylor, you've only made $6 million in your first three years. You know, that, that yeah. he doesn't have a ton of money, that a pile of money that he can sit on to really afford a holdout. I, I just really don't think that that's a, a realistic option for him. We're talking with Jim Aiello, who's the national editor uh, and NFL editor, senior NFL editor. I want to make sure I get that title right. I should just look up your <laughs> LinkedIn page uh, for The Athletic, formerly of the Indy Star. Uh, again, to lend the local and national perspective, Jim, because you've had a f- uh, one of your feet in both camps uh, during your career. How do you feel like Jim Ursay is viewed as an owner nationally compared to how he's viewed here in Central Indiana? It's interesting. I, so I, I think a lot of people. I think Central people in Central Indiana have the understanding of how much Jim Ursay wants to win, how much he really wants, how much he cares about the Colts, about the players, like the things that he says about the players. Um, that have passed through the Colts organization and how close he feels to them, that they're family. That's true. He feels that. That's that's the way he is, and that does make him a good owner. And he desperately wants to win. I think, you know, even fans in Central Indiana tend to tease when he talks about all those championships. But 
that's what he wants. That's the that's the thing he thinks about the most. So um, that's the perception in Central Indiana. I would say that the perception outside of that is a little different. Now, I will say, like, he, he kind of became the face of the anti-Dan Snyder movement uh, within, among the NFL owners, and I think that was well-received. I think a lot of people were really happy about that from, from, from Jim Irsay, that he did that. Um, but when it comes to this stuff and when he says things, like he said, about me dying and Jonathan Taylor not being in the league anymore, I think some people, you know, kind of roll their eyes. Whether, you know, it's true in some ways that the NFL would move on without him and them, but – you know, they tend to roll their eyes a little bit, and, and he can say, you know, things that, that people are maybe don't, aren't the happiest with, especially agents. So, again, that perception outside is, is maybe not as favorable as it is in central Indiana. This goes back to the national conversation that kind of kick-started this whole kerfuffle between Taylor and the Colts on running backs in general. But if you had your druthers, how would we fix – this situation for running backs, assuming that it's fixable, would you not allow them to be tagged in the next CBA or make their rookie deal shorter? Is there something that comes to mind that could fix this for them so they can better maximize their windows so we're not in the situation that, that all these guys are in where we currently sit? I should say I'm not an expert on this thing, but I think Dominique Foxworth was the one who tweeted out about that, that essentially an incentive player pool that there's, you know, it's not part of the salary cap of players who are effectively underpaid are paid more money based on playing time. Um, if a, a larger portion of that pool was dedicated to running backs, now again, that's going to be hard to get other players to agree on from you know playing other positions. But that seems like a good way uh, to reward running backs earlier in their careers. I've always been an advocate of, um, of of shorter rookie contracts for running backs, just because they get to the market a little bit sooner. The problem is. It doesn't, it's not realistic, frankly, and, and neither is probably the franchise tag. I mean, there's not a single player in the NFL who likes the franchise tag, and they haven't been able to get rid of it in any of these CBAs recently. And so, and the other problem is, if you're negotiating with the owners and you want something like this, you're going to have to give something up, and how high of a priority is it going to be for the NFLPA to fight for one particular position? And then what do they have to give up to the owners to get it? Are they going to have to play 25 games? Like, it's just, it just doesn't seem feasible. So, I think in a, in a perfect world, you could you could you know you could do something with the incentives, and you could also do something with a shortened rookie contract so they get back to the to the market. But I just, you know, and the other thing I will say is that the CBA doesn't expire until 2030. Yeah, so long time. This deal, yeah, exactly. Nothing's going to get straightened <laughs> out anytime soon. And the NFL has a way of changing a lot in in three or four or five year cycles. So who knows if the problems we're dealing with now, or running backs are dealing with now, will be the same problems running backs are dealing with in 2030. So many things in sports in general and certainly in football are cyclical and we see them go out and then come back in. But with where we sit today, are, are you under the impression that this is it for running backs? I mean, are, are they devalued now forever? Will we ever get back to, let's say, the, the middle 90s where it was still something kind of like the NBA center, right? Like the Hakeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson days. Are, are we ever returning to that with NFL running backs? No, and I borrowed this from another podcast. I heard this on, but uh, not unless they start, like, if you put a cap on how many passes you can throw in an NFL game. Like, that's the only way I could ever see that happening is, no, I mean, I think I think the NFL has grown. It's, it's become a spread game, and, and it's fun to watch. So I don't think there's any reason to want it to go back. That said, I think, you know, you look at defenses, modern defenses, now they're getting smaller, a little lighter, faster, you know, so they can cover more sideline to sideline. And smart teams are going to try to take advantage of that by saying, okay, if you're going to get smaller and not going to put as much up the middle as you did before, we're going to be able to run you over. And I think you've seen some teams try this. I mean, 
I think the Chiefs have this kind of this perfect marriage of having Patrick Mahomes and also a dominant offensive line that makes them just incredibly hard to defend. They can run the ball when they want and if they have to. If you're if you're if your defense is essentially just saying we're not going to let Patrick Mahomes beat us, so I think there'll be a swing. It's like you said, it's cyclical. It's a pendulum. It'll swing back a little bit, and I think the market will, you know, will set for running backs. I don't think we'll probably get. Well, I shouldn't say 16 million because the cap's going to keep going up. So whatever percentage of the cap that McCaffrey took up when he signed that contract, I don't think we'll ever probably get to that height again. But I do think that there's going to be running backs. Maybe it's a B. John Robinson. Maybe it's somebody else that will, you know, get to a, it'll 14, 15 million or 16 million when the cap goes up. And that'll just be kind of the standard as opposed to it continues to rise in every position. So, which, you know, stinks to say for running backs because they're such a big part of offenses. And they're also the, you know, the outside of quarterbacks are some of the biggest faces in the yeah. NFL, but just the way they're treated and how interchangeable they've become. And again, I don't like saying that because you know, these are people and they're, <laughs> these guys are damn good at their jobs, but I just, that's just kind of the way the NFL has moved. Will Jonathan Taylor come back, even if it's not as a cult, will he ever be the player that he was in 21 again? It sounds crazy to say about a 24 year old. Yeah, I think so. I think he's, I think he's too, he's, he's so young still that I think he could be that guy again. Obviously he's going to need the help of the offensive line, which he didn't get much help on last year. Um, Cause again, that's, that's part of the reason the running, you know, running backs aren't being paid as much is because, you know, running games are tied to so many different things. It's whether or not, you know, the quarterback's actually a threat to pass, whether or not your offensive line can block and, and, and people respect that. So again, it's tied to so many different things, but yeah, in terms of just pure talent, I don't think Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I have, no one's seen him play this year, but I doubt he's lost his step. I think he honestly had an ankle procedure. It should heal up, and he should get back to being Jonathan Taylor again. Last thing here, Jim, I'll ask you one non-Jonathan Taylor question. Uh, I just wanted to get your take on Anthony Richardson overall and if the Colts, you think, made the right decision in, in that spot and just kind of how they've handled everything when it comes to finding their new quarterback finally after years of just slapping Band-Aids on it over and over again with veterans. I won't say you found the president of the Anthony Richardson fan club, but I'm I'm a member. I'm one of the maybe one of the founding members of it. I, I'm such a huge fan of what he could potentially be, and I I think Chris Ballard probably put it best is like, swing, if you're going to do it, swing for the fences, man. That's what this yeah. guy can be. I, I I don't think, and again, this is not. I would say this is not my opinion. I don't think I break down quarterbacks quite as well as the NFL scouts or other analysts I watch, but. I've heard a lot of people say, I don't think he's far as far away. I don't think he's as raw as some people think he might be. I think the feet. Um, you know, he's got to get, he's got to learn what NFL caliber footwork is and that's going to take some time. But once he does, my goodness, all the other tools that he has, um, the IQ that he has. And again, this is just things I've read about him, but just everything he can put together. Uh, I think he's just like the epitome of what the modern quarterback can be. Somebody who's going to be a threat both running and passing. Um, you know, you see flashes of it, obviously with that 60 yard bomb he threw during camp the other day, just so, just so easily and effortlessly. Now I'm, Again, I think they got the right coach. Again, I don't know Shane Steichen personally, but just watching the system that he ran in Philadelphia and making it so much easier on, on Jalen Hurts as he grew in the NFL, um, I, I just think everything is kind of coming together in a way that it should work out for Anthony Richardson. If it doesn't, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised. Now, I say I don't think it's, I, I'm not going to say it has to happen this year. But sure. I definitely think it'll happen for Anthony Richardson. And that's what sucks about this whole Taylor thing is that the offseason, things were looking good, right? It, people like the head coach they picked. People yeah. like the quarterback they picked. Everything was kind of calm. And then, yeah, camp starts and all hell breaks loose. So.
It's, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate because, like I said, I, I really thought we'd all be on Anthony Richardson watch every single day, and I felt like we barely talked about him as, a, as like, a Colts community here. So Yeah, yeah. it's, it's nice. He gets to operate in, in, you know, under under the cloak of what's happening around him. So, like, maybe that's a positive thing for him. You can check out Jim's work okay. at Jim Aiello on Twitter. He's going to be the co-host of The Upper Quartile along with James Boyd of The Athletic on The Athletic Podcast Network as well. Appreciate it, my man. It was great to catch up, and uh, hope you and the family are doing well, and look forward to our future conversations. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me. This is blessed. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. For whatever the reason, it feels like every time I fill in, specifically on this show, it it happens to be a Tuesday, and on Tuesdays, we happen to talk to one of my closest friends in Greg Rakestraw, who joins us now on the hotline. Isn't that weird, Rake? Do you feel like, like am I bothering you uh, to, to keep hitting you up to be a guest every time I fill in? No, this is the universe bringing us together, as it largely has since 2005, and especially knowing that I was in Memphis yesterday when Quarry and Schultz was filmed. At the Palatial ISC Sports Network Studios, we didn't get that quality time together. This is karma's way of making it up, you and I having a chat over the radio airwaves this afternoon. How is Memphis, by the way? I've always wanted to go, and it's because I, I have this weird, kind of almost dark fascination with human tragedy, and I've always wanted to go to the Lorraine Motel, but also just there's a lot of history in Memphis as well. Um, I didn't know if you had experienced, I, I know you're, you're well-traveled with all your broadcasting duties, if you had experienced Memphis before, but we were thinking about going for fall break and, and sort of making a trip out of it. But what's been your experience in Memphis so far? So I have I did the Beale Street thing about 17, 18 years ago with Amy back when we were kid-free. It was absolutely wonderful. They basically put sawhorses at the top of the hill, which is closest to the river, and the bottom of the hill, which is the FedEx Forum, and you can take your beer and go from bar to bar to bar. It is tremendous. Um, I, I have not done the Lorraine Museum. I have not done Graceland. I did do the Gibson Guitar Factory Tour because it's downtown. I did not do Sun Studios. This time I had like I was there for like two days, twice in six days. And just scheduling-wise, didn't have much of a chance to kind of go out and, and do the social calendar, you know, sort of thing. Um, but it, it, to me, it is a great weekend destination. I think you and Ashley would have a lovely time. Yeah, and it sounds like it's a great eating destination, which is always priority number one whenever I go to a new place to, to find all the good food and the Memphis barbecue. I, I'm bummed here, Rake, because... This had been a really nice and seemingly pretty calm Colts offseason. I, I think most fans were excited about turning the page, even with the, the tepid expectations for actual win total for this year's team. But now it just feels like all of that has been kind of thrown out the window in the last seven to ten days, and we're, and we're back into like chaos mode like we were in November and December of last year. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, and obviously, 
I, I think the excitement part is right, too, uh, because I will go back to the opening day that fans could be there last Wednesday, and I was floored as I was driving into practice and got there maybe five minutes before things were about to kick off. I have never experienced a crowd like that for a non-night practice in now these six or so years that we have gone to Grand Park. That place was absolutely packed last Wednesday. And I thought, as per usual, we did a good job of kind of setting the bar of expectations. There might be a handful of people that think this is a borderline playoff team. Nobody is thinking this is a Super Bowl team no. or, a, or, or maybe even borderline an AFC South contender. I think most people would be happy if they're close to 500 this year. And yet people are still going by the thousands. People still care about this football team. But, again, it seems like we can't have nice things for some reason during training camp around here. And uh, team chaos is a good way to put it uh, because that's kind of what it feels like the running back position right now. And I'll always defend this fan base. There are a lot of people that say, oh, this is is a soft fan base or a soft market and it's a fair-weather market. I think all uh, markets in, in some form or fashion are, are a little bit fair weather. But I, I, I think what's great about the fans here is that they, they so desperately always want to believe. If you just give yep. a Pacers fan or a Colts fan a sliver of hope, they're going to take it and run with it. If the, if, you're, if the team exceeds expectations, people here go nutso about it. And I mean mm-hmm. that in the nicest way possible. I mean, let's look back at this past Pacers year, right? They were a 35-win team. You would have thought they had won 50 games, given how we all acted, because they simply exceeded expectations. It doesn't take a lot for us to fall back in love with a team. But I am hopeful after some preseason games, if not early regular season success, we can tell that exact same story about the Indianapolis Colts in the fall of 2023. You've been around this team for a long time in a professional capacity for over 20 years. Let's take Andrew Luck's retirement off the table because I, I think that is its own entity and it's in its own category was last week. One of the crazier weeks that you can remember when it comes to the Colts news cycle. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad you kind of gave that caveat. This is my 24th year of kind of covering the team in, in some professional capacity where I'd be around them at training camp, where I would be around them in, in, in terms of practice on a daily basis. And you have to go back to just before um, those days to kind of think of the last holdout, hey, public, big star, trade me kind of moment, and that is Marshall Falk in early 1999. And it's funny now that obviously we can kind of go back and look at that and just whatever reason randomly, flipping around in early July, like the Marshall Falk football life story is 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 on, and, I, and his agents being very candid about saying, hey, you know, there was, there was some, you know, some issues in terms of Marshall not playing at the end of the 90, 1998 season and didn't get a bonus and felt, you know what, this is no longer for me. And, and even though I see the future is Peyton Manning, how good they're going to be, it's probably just time best for me to move on. And he talked about all the places he wanted to send them, and he was like 0 for 4 in terms of warm weather, winning football team, natural grass, et cetera. But that was the last time we kind of had a running back situation like similar like this one where clearly you're talking about one of the best running backs in the league and for whatever reason has decided, I don't want to play here anymore. I know the main reason is financial, but I just don't know if there's going to be greener pastures or, frankly, a team that I do think at some point in time in the near future down the road 
is willing to pay him market value, if not above, than what the Indianapolis Colts feel about Jonathan Taylor. I'm not sure they feel that way now, but it's stunning how this has developed, uh, at least in the public sphere, over the course of the last six or seven days. And because of that skepticism over whether or not there are actually greener pastures out there for him, I remain convinced that Taylor's best option is to bite the bullet and and just have a big 2023 season with the Colts. Do you agree, or do you think that there's a a better card for him to play? No, I mean, and I... I want to make sure I delivered the the proper connotation here. I would tell him to. I'm even going to phrase it differently. Just just put the helmet on and go play. And I'm not saying that because you signed a contract. No, I, I think that's that that that's his best option here because for a couple of reasons, uh, he didn't have much in the way of leverage. One, what running backs elsewhere are doing around the National Football League. There simply are not that many that are getting top market dollar and even if let's say he plays this year has a great year let's say the Colts for whatever reason elect not to give him a multi-year deal but simply franchise tag him a that would more than double what he's going to make this year again that would put him in the top five running backs in the league you look at Saquon Barkley's deal it wouldn't be that far from what he got on a one-year contract which was 11 million dollars a couple another couple of million worth of incentives it would not be far from that I do firmly believe that if JT plays this year, plays every game, you miss a game or two with injury, that's part of the nature. Let's say he plays 13, 14, 15 games, looks more like the back he was in 21 than he was in 22. I think the Colts will still give him a multi-year deal. I firmly believe that. Me too. They would, they would, try, they would try to cut off you know, going to a franchise sag and potentially creating an impasse. I still believe that is the case. So I think even – for his own just benefit of dollars, I think his best solution is just to go play and prove to the Colts or, frankly, 31 other NFL teams, this is how good I am. You should pay me. And those running backs you mentioned, Rake, are, they're all done with their rookie deals. Taylor's not. And right. so that right. that gives him even less leverage. I mean, at least if you're Jacobs, you don't have to sign the tag and you can hold out. For for Taylor to hold out would be a complete disaster for a guy that's only accrued, what, $6 million so far in his first three years. And, and, and this is the other thing that I will clarify is that you said it very well in terms of his rookie deal. He actually benefits in this case, Derek, by having being a second-round draft pick. He gets this process a year earlier than a guy like a Saquon Barkley or anybody else that was a first-round pick because when you're a second-round pick, you've got a four-year deal and not a five-year deal. So I do think that is an important line in the sand for the Colts to draw, saying, hey, listen, you get to this after four years, not five. Um, we, you know, Honor your rookie contract. I, I understand the general methodology there. Do you think the Zach Moss injury, which popped up earlier this week, even though it's it's not viewed to be serious, it's a broken arm, bones heel, uh, d- does that change anything in this equation? I'm not sure. If, I, I think it, I think it does slightly, even though again it's in Jonathan Taylor's best you know interest to get out there and play. If he doesn't play during the preseason, he's going to take a snap in the preseason. I don't think anyway. Uh, but to be out there by September the 10th. Just because of the Colts not only need, in one sense, only need Jonathan Hill to be out there so they can have their best season, but you frankly have to be able to get a truer gauge as to exactly what you have in Anthony Richardson. So I, I think to help the rookie quarterback develop, I think that helps a little bit. But at the same time, 
and, and this is kind of what has been talked about, you know, with Jonathan Taylor the last two seasons, this team has won 13 games over two years. With having one of the best running backs in the National Football League, they've not been a playoff team in either one of the last two years. And if the Colts are potentially going to go young, you can go young without Jonathan Taylor this year. So in one sense, I think it certainly makes Anthony Richardson's job easier if he is the guy, if Jonathan Taylor will play in, in week one and if, and if Moss can't go. But at the same time, if you're the Colts, I think you got to have a, a view beyond this year in terms of who gets playing time and who's going to do what. Um, I think because again, I, I I I really think this is as much as you want to win football games. I think this is as much about player development this year. We're talking Colts with Greg Rakestraw, ISU Sports Network. He's the Colts post game host on these same airwaves, also the preseason TV voice of the Horseshoe Helmets, and they'll be underway here in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Non-Jonathan Taylor-wise, I know you've been out to Westfield a whole bunch. The people that I've talked to, either media-wise or, or in the organization, have, have kind of maintained the same line that Anthony Richardson still has a lot of ways to go, right? Uh, yeah. But when you watch him, you see it. Like, it's almost, he, he's just tantalizing enough where if you just stare, you can see a superstar-level player there that can be potentially developed and unearthed. Um, in your experience of watching him here, I know we're talking about a, a very small sample size here. Are, are you in line with that vision as well? Absolutely. And, and it's funny, you know, he's kind of checked all the boxes in terms of intangibles and clearly has, you know, every bit of athleticism or gift from the gods in terms of how you would build a quarterback in terms of the body, the speed, the size, the arm strength, et cetera. And normally with everything that I would have just said, you go, this guy's can't miss. And the answer is we don't know if, if, if that's the case, you know, to be honest with you at this point, just because he is so green, just because he has, you know, he has, you know, not played, you know, that much to this point. So, and, and today you would see him make spectacular plays in practice and you would see him not miss simple plays, but, but it, it was just, like, it seemed like the outs of the sidelines, the accuracy needs to be dialed in. Like, when he cranks up a fastball on a slant, you know, basically the receiver can't help but not catch. He's going to throw it through his chest. Um, but when he is throwing kind of those, those deeper 20-yard outs, you know, putting that ball in the absolute right spot is still something he has to work on. So much like we talked about, seemingly during the month of April and all of this build-up to the NFL draft, he is one of the most unique packages we've ever had in terms of talking about a prospective quarterback because saying all the right things, doing all the right things, simply kind of looking and acting the part, he's got it. Physically, he's got all the gifts. But because he has played such a limited amount of major college football, we simply do not know heading into the season. I think Alec Pierce gives him a lot more room for error, too, because that guy can really track the ball. I mean, he's <laughs> another guy that still needs some development and all of that, but already I think he's shown some elite traits as far as just a, a get-up-and-go-get-it guy. He is, and, and you know, and Mike Strawn's a guy that you know has all the athleticism in the world, and we're kind of waiting in year number three. If he's going to pop, you kind of know what you have in Michael Pittman at this point. Let's face it, this is an offensive core that largely is going to grow together. Uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. And so I'm hoping to see Alec make that jump from year one to year two. You know, obviously this is a contract here for Michael Pittman being a second-round pick in 2020 as well. 
We're still not quite sure exactly what they've got at the tight end position. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of figure things out. One thing I will, I'll, I'll tell you from watching today's action is this. Um, they brought in a, a kind of a, a little talked about veteran in terms of Rashad Perryman. He did some nice things today. His size catches your attention at 6'2 and 220. Uh, McKenzie Speed from the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. He's got speed to burn. And so we'll kind of see how things play out there as well. Last thing here, Rake, I know you're on the cusp of a very, very busy fall about to begin in fewer than three weeks with high school football, but uh, Kyle Guy, Pro-Am, I know you've got coming up on Friday. I still have access to the Google Calendar, so I can see all, <laughs> all the ISC events that you have here coming up, but um, give us just an idea of, of where people can find you here coming up August, September, and October, with especially on high school Friday nights. So obviously we are now 17 days away at the start of the high school football season, so when Derek went to go work his new job as Purdue Pete's personal handler up in West Lafayette, that's right. I took over the log duties on ISC. So I'm the one that's in charge of making sure we have all the spots sold and, and things of that nature. So literally, that's what I was working on before this interview started. Um, good news is, Derek, we only have 530s to sell for the opening game of the football season, <laughs> which will be Fort Wayne Snyder and Warren Central on my TV and the ISC Sports Network. So believe me, that is first and foremost in my mind. Uh, other than my Colts duties between now and then, I've got two Indy 11 games. I've got the Dizzy Runs Pro-Am up at uh, Mojo Up Fieldhouse on Friday night. I've got the City League uh, Men's and Women's Championships that come up next Thursday. I just had USA basketball events down in Memphis. So it's Indiana. There seemingly is rarely a break in terms of hoops. But after next Thursday, I will have my longest stretch of the year without doing any basketball, which would take me about to the end of October when uh, Marion University hoops kicks in and then IUPUI shortly after that. So even in Indiana, I do get about a a two-and-a-half-month break from all things basketball. It's wild, but never a real break from indie sports. You are the busiest man in the city when it comes to that. At Greg Regstraw on Twitter, ISCSportsNetwork.com. You can also download the IC app, uh, watch them on YouTube as well. And, of course, Greg, uh, the preseason TV voice of the Colts, and on these same airwaves after every Colts game this season, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Appreciate it, buddy. I'll let you get back to selling those last 530s. Exactly. Just hit me up at Greg Rakes. Don't you want to buy those last five spots? Thank you, Derek. (laughs) Thanks, Rake. Hey, fans, want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy it floors to your home. Right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot? That's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations. Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who.